Welcome, Bouncer Backers, to this week's episode of Bouncing Back Stronger, the podcast where we explore the incredible power of resilience, personal growth, and triumph over adversity. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Vasquez, and I'm thrilled to embark on this transformative journey with you. Whether you're seeking inspiration, guidance, or simply reminded that you're not alone on your journey, Bouncing Back Stronger is here to support and empower you. We believe that every setback is an opportunity for a comeback, and every challenge is a chance for growth. Let's go. Today, we welcome Lana Makara, all the way from sunny Florida. Lana is a prolific writer with over 1 million of her books sold. Her latest Weep in the World Wind was released in June, and her next one will be published next year. Lana, hello. Welcome. Welcome to Bouncing Back Stronger. Hi, Sarah. So glad to meet you. It's lovely for you to join us, Lana. Now, Lana, we'll, we'll talk about your writing later, but as part of our women's, you know, series, you offered to come on here and talk about really kind of like reinventing yourself in your early fifties and, you know, how life changed for you quite dramatically then and what you overcame to be where you are now. You know, congratulations on over 1 million of your books sold. That's a wonderful achievement. And I'm sure back then you probably would never have expected something like that. Absolutely. I was a stay-at-home mom for 30 years and I never dreamed I'd have a career. I, I never really wanted one. I I wrote romance novels in my spare time. That's how I got started writing. But I never really thought it would go that much further, you know, because I was raising children, had my life, and all of a sudden it all fell apart. I see. How did it fall apart? Well, I was, I wasn't happy, but I, I didn't take my happiness as like my number one priority. I was raising my children mm-hmm. and they were my priority. And then as the children got older and my youngest son was 18 and we had, I had seven children, by the way. <laughs> Never so, my life was raising No wonder kids. you I didn't mean, think about yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have one. That's enough. my life was tied up completely in my children and then as they got older uh they began to they were still living at home but they were always gone right they were they were always out working going to college you know some of them were living at home and going to college and girlfriends and sports and all this stuff was going on and i was left with everything. You know, I I was taking care of laundry for six people, cooking for six people, cleaning for six people. I wasn't, had no help when they were younger, you know, I had this chore list and I, you know, had these, all this labor division. (laughs) But as I got older, you know, I was left with a massive workload. I couldn't keep up with it. It was too much for me, for one person working morning to night. Yeah, I bet. And I was exhausted. I had a lot of pain in my body. Now, looking back, I realized that stress and my marriage was the core issue. But I was so focused on my children that I didn't look at the other thing, the thing I didn't want to see, right? And so... them were in denial. Yes, yes. If I just work hard enough and pay attention to all these other things, I won't have to look at the big issue that's, you know, I don't really know what to do about at this point. And I can remember driving in my car alone and looking at the steering wheel and at my hands and saying, you have, you have two options. You can leave or you can stay. And I thought about what it would mean to leave Mm. and then what it would mean to stay. And I would actually say out loud, you're making a conscious choice to stay. So don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't, don't fret. You're making a conscious choice to stay. And that, that was going on, you know, for years, several years, but I was in a pit 
and it wasn't getting any better. And I, I had no hope of it ever getting better. So how long about, did you be married, Lana? Can I say, can I ask? I was married for 30 years. 30 years, a long time. We had our 30th anniversary in January. And about, I guess, six months before the 30th anniversary, my brother-in-law moved in. Oh, okay. Now I had another man. You know, I had all sons living at home at the time. So all my sons, my husband, and my brother-in-law was, I'm the only woman, you know, in the house. And my brother-in-law was in uh, the war in Iraq. Okay. He came home. He had a nervous breakdown. And he called me. And he asked me if he could move in. And I said, absolutely, I'll, I'll come in and I'll take care of you. I'll help you. Because and I did. I'm the type of person that you are. Yeah. Yeah. Always looking out for everybody else and not at the time looking out for yourself. Yes. It never occurred to me to say, you know, I've got my hands full. And, I can't yeah. hold anything else, you know. And so I started to drive him to his doctor appointments and drive him to the psychiatrist. and stay with him and all these things and just took care of him. And then we had our 30th anniversary. And, you know, when you, when you're married that long, you kind of get like an idea, like this is it. Mm-hmm. You don't even think about anything else. I mean, 30 years, you know, mm-hmm. and I had this vision in my mind that all my seven children would live in the same town. They'd all be coming for Sunday dinner mm-hmm. And I'd have grandchildren all around me. That's just what I thought my future was going to look like. Mm -hmm. So leaving wasn't even in my radar. You know, I just figured at some point, you know, the boys would move out and life would become easier for me somehow. Mm -hmm. And then my brother-in-law got better. He got a job. He was doing okay. Mm -hmm. Much better. And there we were living in a little, a little historic town and right across the street was an apartment building and it had a for rent sign out front. And I said to my, my then husband, why don't you take, take my brother-in-law over there and see about that apartment for rent? He's got a job. Maybe he could rent that apartment and come over for meals. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with cooking. I don't mind him coming for meals. I just wanted him out of my house. Yeah, very <laughs> normal. He was acting weird. He was he was doing things that that was troubling me, like standing around the corner listening to my phone conversations and oh, really things like that were happening. I'd come around the corner, there he is standing there listening. You know, I it was just like, oh, <laughs> I was feeling kind of pressed. You know, I wasn't uh, feeling comfortable in my house, my own house. Well, there's a complete invasion of your own privacy, isn't it? And stepping yes. way over the line. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. He would sit and stare at his face for, you know, an hour. And I knew he was having mental health problems and I, I had a lot of compassion for him, but he was working a job now. He, you know, he was better. And the, the psychiatrist was like, you know, he's good. I don't think you need to come back. Mm-hmm. And, and time I just responsibility wasn't. for yourself. Yes. Yes. And so, well, my, my ex-husband was not, didn't even, didn't even answer me. You know, he's sitting there, I'm looking him in his eyes Mm. and telling him this, and he doesn't even reply, just stonewalling me. And months went by, you know, this wasn't just an immediate snap judgment or anything. Months went by and I saw nothing was going to change. And one day I went out and I had to go to the store or something. I went out to the car and my brother-in-law had been sitting there staring into space, you know, same as always. Yeah. My husband was sitting at the dining room table doing some something, writing something or whatever. And I went out to the car. I forgot something and I came back into the house. So I, they thought I left, yeah. but I, I burst back into the room and they were sitting at the table having a joke. And when I came in and I saw them laughing, yeah. I suddenly realized they have a relationship going on that I know nothing about. Mm. And I saw that my husband's relationship with his brother was an active, happy thing, uh, which was okay. I mean, but he didn't have a relationship with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and you saw him behave very diff- differently with his brother as he did with you. 
Yes. So almost like shocking. when he walks into that room, a bit of a kick in the teeth. Yeah. Yes. Both of them, you know, both of them are sitting there, not, not even in the same room, staring or, you know, zoned out or whatever. And as soon as I left, I'd only been out of the house maybe one minute. Yeah. They're already sitting together laughing. And I was really shocked. It took me aback, you know. Did but they acknowledge you there? Did they acknowledge your presence? Did they say, oh, hey? Yeah, they just kind of calmed down for a minute. I came in, I said, I forgot my whatever. And they, they just went quiet while, until I left, you know, kind of a thing. And then I grabbed my whatever it was and I, I went back out the door. So then they, you know, went on. <laughs> but it was actually a phone call from a friend that woke me up. Even at that, I still wasn't thinking, you know, along the lines of leaving. Mm-hmm. I wasn't only leaving my my husband. I was leaving my four children that were still at home. I wasn't even life, you know, that's the only life that you knew. Your home, your home that you built up over the years. Yes. Everything. Yes. And, and I think for women, a lot of us is invested in our family, isn't it? And even yes. that that kind of mindset, as you just said earlier, you envisioned a future where you had your children around you and grandchildren around you, and this is just going to be it. You know that that that's what you are expecting. So right to right. you know, I guess to go against that idea is is big, huge. Oh, absolutely. And my husband was a pastor. A pastor, right? So I was in the church. Uh, I didn't believe in divorce. Mm. You know, I, I knew that if I left him. The church, because he was pastoring a church. If, mm-hmm. if if I left him, the church was going to just go into this uproar. You know, it was a big deal for me and to. Did he ever sense that you were unhappy and tried to talk to you about your unhappiness? Or was he in denial too at the time? He said a few things, but they were always about it being my problem. Mm-hmm. One time, this was a few years previous to this. I was very frustrated, very upset. And I said, why don't you ever listen to me? Why don't you take my feelings into account? He said, well, I just figure you're always discontent. So, you know, I'm a whiner, I guess. (laughs) I love to whine and complain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How do you remember, like, taking that? How did you feel about that comment? There, there were times in our marriage where I just got this numbness. Mm. It was a uh, like an unusual cold feeling that went down the inside of my spine through the center of my body. And it was a numbness that would just like wash through me. And then that caused like a little more disconnect in the relationship. A little more and a little more and a little more. Like just chipping away. Chipping away. Yeah. Yeah, And what I've noticed what you're saying already, Lana, is that you feel a lot in your body. There's a lot of physical kind of sensations. So even though it's a language point and a comment and criticism and, you know, the stress aspect, you feel it very much in your body, don't you? Yes. And I've yeah. learned that I am kinesthetic, which yeah. means I, I feel things mm-hmm. as much as, you know, know them or, or sense them. I feel them. So when I feel things in my body like that, I, I've learned to pay attention. Now, at yeah. that point, I wasn't. Yeah. But since then, I've learned that if I'm talking to someone and I get that wave, I'm like, oh, something's going on here and I need to stop and, and pay attention to what, what's happening. But basically, he chipped away at my feelings. I was deeply in love with him when I married him. Yeah. I worshipped him. I adored him when I married him. And little by little, he killed every bit of feeling that I had. By the time I left him, I didn't miss him at all. Yeah. I was totally fine. I was crying over my children. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't miss him. I mean, I never have missed him. So he was chipping away at you. Then, you know, that happened with the brother-in-law. So what did make you say, I've had enough? It was a call from a friend. Uh, okay. Actually, I called her, yeah. but there was a good, dear friend of mine uh, that I had lost touch with for 20 years. So for the first 10 years of marriage, 
she and I were best friends. Mm-hmm. We lived in the same town and we ha- she had eight children. I had seven <laughs> and we babysat each other's children. Who's going to babysit for seven kids? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so our hey, children were... Push them. <laughs> you're kind of out of luck. our children were the same ages so whenever she would babysit or i would babysit uh they had a play day because they had all these friends you know same age friends in the in the group and that must have been a lot of children 15 kids uh, in one (laughs) and one gown so yeah she was a dear dear friend of mine but we both moved away from that town. And then I moved again and she moved again. And, you know, we just lost touch with each other eventually, you know, after moving two or three times a piece. Yeah. And I think this thing's common, isn't it? As we get older and with our families and things like that, you know, I know myself that I've grown apart from some of my dear friends. However, I always still know they're there. And I guess what happened with you, I could pick the phone up any time because they're true friends. They're true, true heart friends. Yes. And you know, when you pick the phone up to call her, were you consciously going to speak with her about what you were perhaps going through? No. See, that's interesting, isn't it? Maybe it, it was meant to be. Maybe so. It was totally meant to be. She sent an email mm. and it was a, it was a group email, like a newsy email, what we did this year, the trips we took and the new babies born, you know, and the family, the new grandchildren and so forth. And mm wasn't personal at all. It was, I was on some kind of a family list or something. Hmm. And it was sent like from her directly. It wasn't like, you know, a Weber or constant contact or something. It wasn't any of those services. She just had a whole long list of emails that she was mailing to. And so it came in and I looked at the timestamp and it had come in like three minutes before. And I thought, she's at home. Hmm. She's at home right now at her computer. And so I looked and I found the the phone number and I called her. I just had this urge to talk to her. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything about my situation at all. I just missed her. There was a couple of times when I thought, I wonder if I could find her and I hadn't been able to. And this came in. Why was she mailing to my email address? I After all this time, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But I called her and she picked up. So we spent 15 minutes just talking about these kids and that kid and all this you know, family stuff. And, and eventually I said to her, well, you know, my brother-in-law is living with us. She knew the family. Yeah. She knew that family well. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, this, you know, brother-in-law has moved in and I'm really having some struggles with it. She said, that's what's wrong with you. She said, this whole time we've been talking, I think, what's wrong with you? Really? So and she picked I, up on I, something straight away. Yes. She was so uh, intuitive and in touch. You know, she's very wise. I always loved talking with her because she has so much wisdom. And she's also, again, in the church, very conservative woman in the church. And she'd been married for like 40 years. She was older than I. And she said to me, girl, I've got to tell you, you're getting ready to have a breakdown. Wow. She said, I had one a few years ago. And I can tell you, I can see the signs just by listening to your voice. I can see it. So I'm going to tell you right now, and you listen to me. She's really hard on me. Yeah, she was well, coming down really me. hard. And she said, your husband is dead wrong. You get out of there. You leave. And I mean now. Pack your bag and you leave and you call me when you do. Oh, I, I lost my breath. I literally lost my breath. I, I said to her, thank you so much. I, I have been feeling terrible. I haven't really known what to do. She said, well, I'm telling you right now, you do it. And we got off the phone. That was it. That was the end of the conversation. Do you know, you'd not spoken to her in such a long time, yet she could say that to you then and there. Because that's a big thing to say to somebody, isn't it? You're going to yes. have a nervous breakdown and you need to leave your husband of 30 years. Get out now. Yes. And, and also the church thing, you know, <laughs> she told me to leave my pastor husband. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the irony, she's such a conservative yeah. and religious lady herself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah. wow, it, it bowled me over. It just knocked me back. And I sat down on my bed. I, I went and sat down on my bed and I thought, what would it take? And I realized that my youngest son was 18. There were no young children, no 
no custody or anything uh, to worry about. And in my mind, I was leaving him for good, but I didn't tell him that. Yeah. So I had this vision in my head. I saw myself lying on my bed, curled up in a a tight ball, Hmm. unable to speak. So I had totally broke down. And in my vision, he came into the room. He looked at me laying on the bed and said, aren't you going to get up and cook dinner? And when I didn't answer, he went out and shut the door. And I knew, and I know to this day, if I had seen it. Did that happen? That was a vision. A vision, yeah. And I knew it was going to happen. It was so clear to me. You have a choice, okay? Right hand, left hand. You can stay and end up in that situation. And he's going to let you lay there. Mm. Or you can leave and save your life. Because Lana, can I ask, is that behavior that you saw in your vision, is that the behavior you came to expect from him anyway? Is that how he did treat you? Always ignoring me. I was the housekeeper and the maid, the cook Mm -hmm. and the laundry And the wife, you know, so to show the world, to show the congregation. Yes. You know, he's the proud husband and father of seven children and aren't I so fabulous. Right. Hypocrisy really isn't it going on. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I did write a book called Never Date a Narcissist Again. (laughs) (laughs) So would you say he, in your marriage, you don't know now, was a narcissist? Oh, absolutely. This is interesting as well, because only this morning I had a conversation with a lady who's going to talk about narcissism. She's not I'm not sure about her experience, but she works with, she said, survivors of narcissism. So do you want me to talk you up, actually? I'm just joking. Oh, (laughs) I think you're okay now, aren't you? You dealt with this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I find it fascinating. In what ways was he a narcissist, your ex? There are, I didn't know what a narcissist was until I left him. And then my sister is a psychologist and... When I got to her house, she said, here, look at the DSM-5. There are like nine characteristics and he has seven. She said, that is a raging narcissist. That's not someone with narcissistic traits. Yeah, because you've got people, I mean, we've all probably got some traits here and there of narcissism, but it's, it's, it's when it, well, this is what she explained to me this morning, actually. It's when you start to walk on eggshells with that person and it's about their control and coercive behavior and gaslighting comes into it too. Yeah, gaslighting is is definitely part of it, which is telling you that your own senses are wrong. Like you didn't really see that. You didn't really hear that. Mm -hmm. You know, that that didn't really happen to tell you that something's wrong inside your head. Mm -hmm. You're crazy. Uh, because what you think happened didn't really happen, but they're lying to you. They're just trying to cover their tracks. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know, you know, I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, he's a narcissist. I never even considered it because he was quiet. He was a, one of the covert narcissists, which is very quiet, but dr- very dominant, controlled everything, controlled me. Well, it's showing him really his role in his work, isn't it, in a way, because he's a pastor, he's pillar of the community. You know, he is, I'm assuming, very well respected. And there's Pastor so-and-so, hello, Pastor so So there's a lot of attention that comes with that role, isn't there? Absolutely. And on stage, mm. and very good speaker, singer, mm. he, could, he sings beautifully. Mm. So as an actor, you know, a performer, and really his whole external per- persona that the world saw him mm. was a performance. The real person at home was not anything like that guy. So it was really difficult for me to, when I left him, I became immediately the bad guy, the, Mm. you know, the derelict. How could she? um, How could she leave her family? Yeah. How could could I leave the pillar of the The community? man. Wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) Blah, blah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So nobody knows what goes on behind cl- closed doors, do they? Yes. You know, but oh. I'm sure you were judged. I'm sure you were. Oh, I was. But and that uh, must have been really children. difficult as well. Not only have you left your marriage for 30 years and you're already 
I'm imagining feeling really guilty about your children, even though they're adults, but they were still, some of them are still living at home. And then you are then scrutinized by your own community. Yes, I, I had lost all and my you, friends. Were you 52 then, Lana? I was 52 then, yes. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. No friends left mm. and all my children turned against me, which I never expected. But my daughter, they not, not so much, you, but they my not, sons. Well, did they not understand why you let it? they not see how he treated you or how your life was? Did they not see how miserable you were? Or did they choose to deny it too, perhaps? Or did they just feel hard done by? I think at that point, and this is not true now, uh, yeah. there's a lot that's happened in the family since then of course. to uh, wake everybody up. But at that point, the family culture was protect dad. We all protect dad. We don't say things out of turn in public. And if he's upset, it's our job to make him feel better. Mm-hmm. So... They were trained that way, you know, yeah. from children, little children, they were trained that way. And so when I upset him, I had to be the wrong one mm-hmm. because we don't upset dad. Mm-hmm. And even after the divorce was final and, and say eight years after the divorce was final, I still had one of my sons to text me and say, why don't you call dad sometimes? It would make him feel better. <laughs> I'm like, what about the way I feel? <laughs> It wouldn't make me feel better. You know, I don't like to say it like this, but almost as if they were brainwashed, you know? Yes. Yeah. You know, I know that that that's his dad and, and we know what children would do for their parents, but to literally take that side completely and quite right. What about me and all this? Your mum, your mum who's cooked and cleaned and washed and ironed and made sure you got to school on time and read your books, I'm sure, in the evening and did this and did that while daddy darling was out in his congregation or singing somewhere. You know, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but, you know, it's unbelievable. Yes, yes. And that has been an ongoing challenge for me Hmm. is to, especially with sons, uh, my daughter has been closer to me. She's not close to me at the moment, but she was closer to me. And what my sons, even yeah. after we came back together, you know, and we're friendly again, and they mm-hmm. tell me they love me and they, you know, they, they are happy to see me, that it's not the same mm-hmm. as it was before I left him. It, it's, there's a difference. And I can see now that when boys grow up, they become men with their lives and their wives and so forth. And their mother is not really in the roster of important things anymore. And, you know, looking at my own husband and the day, his mother wasn't on the roster of important things either. Mm. Yes, he loved her, but he wasn't calling her all the time or going to see her or, you know. Yeah, I do think that. Fixing things. I mean, I hope you're wrong in a sense of I've got a little boy who's five and I'm his world right now. I may continue, (laughs) but I do see it, you know, I see it in my own family and I see it even with my own brother. You know, I do a lot more with my mum than what my brother does. And he perhaps does more with his wife's family. You know, I think that's perhaps just how it goes. Yes, quite often. Yeah, you know. Yes. I'm hoping he just marries someone really nice and she wants to spend all her time with her mother-in-law. You never know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, of course, just such a very difficult time and you've been navigating those relationships ever since. But what was, where did you go, Lana? Like, so your sisters or, you know, what happened for you then? You'd left the home and Yes. And, and three days later, I left. I, I spent the three days crying yeah, and packing, just and going through my closet and getting my computer uh, system. And we had two cars. One of them was in my name. So I took the car in my name and I packed it full, as full as I could get. And I told him, I'm going to my sister. I'm not doing well. I'm not coping. I'm, I'm having some mental health issues right now. And I'm going to my sister. And she's going to find me a therapist. Right. That's what I told him. I couldn't tell him in person, I'm leaving you and never coming back. He would have guilted me. Yeah. And and d- done such a 
been such a drama. Yeah. And then getting the boys stirred up. There's no way I could have left uh, in that situation. So I just quietly told him I'm going to my sister. I left it open-ended, two or three weeks. And did he accept that, did he? Yes, he did. Yeah. I guess if you'd have told him you were leaving right there and then, that's a massive blow to a narcissist. That's a massive dig to the ego. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you knew full well that that he'd stop you from doing that. So, yeah, good work, good plan. I didn't tell. I told him about three weeks later mm-hmm. that I'm not coming back. I'm going to stay in South Carolina. So I got in my car, I drove 12 hours. Mm-hmm to my sister's house in South Carolina. And I stayed with my sister for about two or three weeks. And then I I made arrangements to work in my mother's office two days a week. And I started to put out to some people that I knew online, because I was doing online marketing at the time, as well as writing. I was always trying to earn more money because we didn't have any money. We were so broke all the time. Gosh. And I let them know that I was taking virtual assistant work for marketing. And some people hired me. So between my two days at my mother's office and my virtual assistant work, I was able to rent a very old mobile home in the woods. My rent was 600 US dollars a month. Well, it was almost nothing. And the place was in terrible shape. But I didn't care. You were free. I was free. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know loaded with a certain amount of sadness as well and, and guilt, but you were free. How did that feel to just say, okay, well, I might not have all the material positions or the things that I'm used to. This is mine. Oh, I just, I spent that, I lived there for a year and I spent that almost that entire time just sleeping. It seemed like I slept all the time. My body was so low, so tired, I'm so run down. And I slept and I slept and I slept. And then, you know, my days I had to go to work, I'd get up and go to work. And my virtual assistant work, you know, I would do. And then I go back to bed and I'd sleep some more. And I would wake up and and my my mind would immediately go to what do I have to, you know, who needs what? You know, (laughs) I have to get breakfast. I have to make sure so-and-so gets this done today and that done today. I'm sure there was a lot of adjusting for you. Yes, same this new yes. this new way of life. But I knew that I wasn't going to be working in my mother's office for long. Mm-hmm. I, I My mother had, and I had a history. And uh, working in her office was me, you know, jumping into the, out of the frying pan, into the fire. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have the strongest relationship with your mother, no. No. And uh, so I knew it was temporary measures, but... Um, desperate. <laughs> I was I was very desperate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, had the relationship improved any you know in any way that you were maybe that bit older and you left him and you know she was that bit older and wiser or no? No, my mother was an overt psychotic narcissist, and I found that out later. You know, after How I learned what narcissism was, your mother was a narcissist and you married one. Yes, I was trained from a child to be subservient, ingratiating to the point of, you know, hurting myself because that's, that was my mother. And so she trained me to find the kind of man who was looking for a servant wife. And that's who I married. He presented it differently. My mother was extremely loud, very very derogatory and vocal and, you know, putting people down and all of that. And my, my ex-husband was very quiet, soft, and he could get loud, but it was rare. He ever raised his voice. And really the loudness and the softness of the way they talked was what I looked at as this person is different. Yeah. They're nicer than my mother. And he liked me. You know, I was so impressed that he liked me. In my mind, I was not likable, not attractive. Wow. I was, you know, but you're somebody that was, when you met him, your self-esteem was rock bottom. That's right. And, and, and was that a product of your upbringing with your mother? Yeah. Yes. Was there a father figure, Lana? My parents divorced and my father left and never came back, which I can't blame him. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. We'll let you off, Dad. No, but then 
in that way as well, there's a sense of abandonment. And then that links to, I'm not good enough, even, you know, in a way, even my, the message you're getting, the belief you were getting there is, even my own father left me. So I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. So when he came along, oh yeah, he loves me. You know, uh, amazing. I'm so lucky. Aren't I great? Aren't, Aren't you great to love me? And then that's where the danger comes in because then you'll, Give him everything and anything he wants. Yes. Yes. I, I adored him. Yeah. I worshiped him. And I'm using those words on purpose. Yeah. Because I now know that it's not healthy. Yeah. To worship to someone worship or adore anyone. them. Yeah. Yes. Worship yourself, you know, yes. in a non-narcissistic way, by the way. But, you know, yeah, yeah. take care of yourself. Look after your own boundaries and, yes. you know, practice lots of self-care, which which has been a big theme throughout this podcast, respecting others and communicating well with others and working with compromise. They don't. Everything's one way. Right. Yeah. Yes. So I started off with huge expectations that, as we said, chipped away, chipped away, chipped away until there was, <clears throat> there was nothing left, but also, until I couldn't cope anymore, I stayed long after there was nothing left. Do you regret not leaving sooner? <laughs> no, because of my children. I at least got to see my youngest son, 18. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, I did my job. I finished my job. I wish I had it longer with him specifically mm-hmm. because my next son, older, was 21, but he was 18. And I feel like he suffered a lot because I left him at that age, but I had done all I could do. I couldn't do anymore. And I think as mothers, we have to know when to say enough. When to let go. Yes, exactly. We have to know that it's hard because our biology and our mind both tell us that we need to literally spend our life force for our children. Mm-hmm. And you have seven of them. That's a lot of life force you're putting <laughs> out there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, and later, you know, when my daughter got sick, my daughter got a uh, Lyme disease and she got very sick wow. and she moved in with me. And I was back in mom mode where I would have literally laid down my life to see my daughter get better. Yeah. Nothing held back. And so, you know, if that's a space you're in, if your child has some serious illness or whatever, I mean, that's the role we play and mm-hmm. that's okay, but we can't maintain that forever. No. That's a short-term giving. Temporary solution, isn't it? It's temporary and you'll help temporary. when they're ill and, or they need your support. Yes. And, um, you know, I mean, I lean on my parents for babysitting and things like that, you know, and some emotional support, but not always. You know, yes. they're just there. So you knew you had to leave your mother, <laughs> another one to leave. You knew you had to, it was a temporary, this was a temporary solution as well, working in the office there. So what, where did you go? Where did you move on to? Because you're very resourceful, aren't you? I sat down at my kitchen table. <laughs> very resourceful. <laughs> BA and then working in the office. And yeah, tell us more, Alana. What did you go on to then? I I sat down at my kitchen table and I made a list of all the things I know how to do. I didn't have a job resume. Which is fantastic, you know. Yeah. Well, also, you've been a housewife for 30 years. 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so uh, this is amazing that you could have the kind of, okay, well, I can do this. I can do this. Yes. I, I I had organized a wedding reception. I had organized a couple of wedding receptions. And I thought, I could, I could be an event planner. Yeah. So I put that down. And, you know, all these things. And then I got to the marketing part. Now, at that point, I had 27 published novels. And I tried to see about editing work. It wasn't paying enough. It wouldn't pay me enough to make a living. So I thought that I could do marketing for, because I did marketing for my books. Mm -hmm. I knew I had to do a lot of different kinds of marketing. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote down marketing. And then I started looking at what kind of marketing I can do. And that's what I went for. I, I got a job doing marketing. And that that was 
where I took one step at a time, one step at a time, this job and a better job and a better job. And I worked my way up until I went full-time ghostwriting. I'm a ghostwriter now. That's what I do for a living. Wow. So, yes, you work for other people, writing for other people. I might bring you on board, Lana. Yeah. But then I started, started speaking, too, because... You know, I was also a speaker. I was a pastor's wife. I was speaking at ladies' events. I had spoken at retreats. I had organized retreats. I, you know, had done all these speaking things. And so I started speaking about narcissistic abuse. Yeah. Starting over after 50. Yeah. And those kind of things. So I started speaking as well. And so little by little, I pulled myself out of the slump. Took me about five years to still it's still not that long though for you to re-enter the workforce build up your confidence and self-esteem because let's face it even as a child you didn't have any you know so starting all over at 52 years old and doing what you did for those next five years I'm sorry Lana's nothing but inspirational and I'm not I'm not just saying that either you know absolutely amazing so I did, went, yeah, didn't you then? I went to, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> I was in therapy. I wanted to put that in. I was in therapy. Yeah. And, and, and you'd say the therapy really helped you there. Yes. I was in yeah. therapy for two years uh-huh. and it was a male therapist wow. and okay. it was the only time I ever had a man listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you'll take that. oh gosh and you know well that's interesting you had a man isn't it you know but was his perspective helpful to you oh absolutely he he said things like do you realize how wrong that was and he did that or said that that is not a male thing that is wrong that is not how a, a healthy man acts you know, I didn't have a father to share me. Yeah. And that's the role model. Yes. I stayed away from men the whole time I was married because I was attracted to men and I was afraid I would get emotionally involved with someone who wasn't my husband. I was scared. Wow. So if I was attracted to someone who was nice, a good person, right? I would immediately withdraw from them, never look at them or touch them or get near them again. I would stay completely away from men. Because I didn't want to be drawn in in that way because of my children. So I isolated myself from men in every way I could. And then when I was actually divorced, yeah. I was scared to death. <laughs> I was scared what to scared death you? of men. What scared you? That they were going to be like your husband or you you didn't quite trust yourself that you would be able to tell the difference? Was it right. self-doubt going on for you? Yes, that I would do. Be, I didn't. My fi- I fi- I figured that my selecting tool was broken. <laughs> I'm sure that that I'm, 99% of women who could agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was in a couple of relationships after that, but you know, I I really was so careful. I'm not in a relationship now. I haven't dated anyone for about five years by my own choice because I love being alone. I found out I love being alone. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to have to say to somebody, what would you like for dinner? <laughs> I just go and find what I like about dating. I, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I a, you become independent now. Yeah. 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 Become independent. And I'm, I'm very happy. Being I don't blame you. Things. Yeah. Well, you've been there and done that now, haven't you? And also, guess there's a sense of empowerment for you that you've built up this life for yourself now. Yes. And you've made your own schedule now and you've got your own boundaries perhaps and and things like that. So tell me, how did you move away from your mother's office? I'm intrigued. How did you move away from her? (laughs) Go on. I had a client because I was consulting and marketing Mm. And I had a client who lived in Florida and she said, come on down and spend the winter. I've got a spare room. We get along great. I live here by myself. I'd love to have company. And I did. So I went to Florida 
And I stayed there about six months. That's why I was speaking to you now. Yes. And then uh, my son, one of my sons called me and said, we miss you. Well, by this time, it had been two or three years since I left. Was that the first time you'd spoken to your sons or? I had had some calls like once every six months. My two youngest would get together and call me together. They'd both be on the phone. Okay. But, you know, it wasn't uh, anything like just chatting. Like, we just want to know how you are. Are you okay? Kind of thing. And I'd be bawling. I'd be be crying so hard I couldn't talk. And all this is going on. I miss my kids so bad. And so then after this period of time called, it was after Christmas, this one son called me and said, you know, if you move back into the state, we would come and see you. We miss you. And so I moved back to the state, but I moved about 45 minutes or an hour away. Okay. I didn't move to the town. And that that put me back in the space. I started interacting with my kids again a little bit, holidays, birthdays, things like that, and slowly got back into the family. And I, I, stayed, in, I stayed in the area for 10 years. Okay. But then I recently moved to Florida. I, I just moved to Florida about a year ago. So Ah, so it's only a recent move to Florida. Yeah. Uh, so the friend, you said you spoke to a friend and, you know, with it about the move from your mom's office. Yes. Uh, when my client, by that point, I was, I was, a, had no longer been working at my mother's office for some time. I only worked for her for about three months. That was enough. <laughs> yeah, that was enough. I had enough. <laughs> As congratulations on the three months. I had all the fun I could stand. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I had worked for her for a long time. I could could be wherever I wanted because I was working online and on the phone. Um, Wasn't going to anybody's office. So, yes, I moved to Florida. That got me away from South Carolina and that family. And then I went back to Delaware where my, my children were living. So, yeah, that's what happened. I went full-time ghostwriting in 2015, mm-hmm. and I've been ghostwriting as, a, as my living ever since. And then during COVID, mm-hmm. I had a space of time to write my own book again, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. I, I had been writing for other people, and I was so busy, I didn't have time to write my own stuff. And then I had this block of time, and I was yeah. able to write my own book again. So that book is coming out next year. That's great. And you had yeah. one out in, so that one's going to be called, is it Shaken But Not Stirred next year? Shaken But Not Stirred, yeah. Now, yeah. is that James Bond related or am I totally off the mark? No, that one is a uh, stalker okay. who is stalking a therapist. She's a oh, okay. <laughs> and then there is a murder that happens at the same time. And she's trying to figure out if the two things are related. But Shaken But Not Stirred is, uh, this woman is strong. And so the stalker has got her shook up. She's shaken, but she's not going to leave. She's uh, going to find out who it is. Yeah. More girl power, Lana. Yes. I yes, like absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Which do you prefer, ghostwriting or writing for yourself? Oh, writing for myself, of yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> it's very fun. Yeah. And I guess more rewarding at the end of it. To a degree, I've mm. had some success with my ghostwriting. One of my books was picked up by Simon & Schuster distributor. Oh, One gosh. of them uh, is under consideration as a PBS documentary. Yeah. I, I love those wins. And so when I am working with a client like that, I'm giving them my full marketing mm. expertise as well as the ghostwriting because I want them to have a success. Yeah. I love the people I work with. I don't accept clients that I don't resonate with. Yeah. Or that I feel excited about their project. So I have a lot of skin in the game, you know, with my yeah. clients. But having your own book out, I mean, there's nothing like it. It's almost like, that's, you know, that's a child. I mean, really. you're holding it. You're- yeah, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't really thinking about the monetary side or anything like that. It was more about, I wrote that. That's mine. That's you know? mine, yes. That's my mine. ideas. And that's particularly mine. fiction as well, you know, that's your imagination. That's your originality. It's wonderful. You know, it is, it is, I think I've told you, it is on my to-do list to write a book, but yeah, we'll cross that bridge when I feel ready. When I feel ready. I'll probably come to you, Lana. Lana, you know all that marketing you said you can do? (laughs) You know the ghostwriting that you're talking about? Well, I've got an idea. (laughs) 
So, Lana, we always, we, we, we're coming to the end. It's been a wonderful conversation. I'm just going to ask you for a takeaway. If there's someone listening right now and they are in a similar position to you when you were early 50s, unhappily married, children and, you know, certain things going on. Is there any, I don't know, one piece of advice that you could give or one suggestion that you would give to somebody in that situation? Well, I don't recommend that somebody do it in three days the way I did. Take your time, make your plan. Yeah. Protect yourself, be safe, be mm. safe. I had someone reach out to me and say, you know, my husband's a narcissist. What do I do? I said, first thing, be safe, be safe. That's it. Don't, don't make a drama yeah. and put yourself in jeopardy. But, well, you know, in, in that sense as well, reach out to someone you trust. Yes. Reach out to someone you trust, whether that's a dear friend, a family member, um, or I, even a therapist. Reach out to that person, talk about it, and then put your safety net in place, your, your plan. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm. But basically what it comes down to is... We all have more in us than we know. So don't limit yourself by what you think you can handle. We all have more in us than we realize. Yeah. And so the answer is to find that strength. Do what's best for you. What's best for your young children, if you have young children. Mm -hmm. And don't let anyone, anyone stop you from doing what you know is best. I think again, it comes back to that belief in yourself and trust in yourself. Yes. Doesn't it? Well, Lana, thank you so much for this conversation today. Absolute joy as always. I was looking forward to seeing you again. You do make me laugh. I wish you every success with your writing. And I mean it. I'll be in touch in the future, you know. Yeah. When, when, I'm, when I'm thinking about that book. <laughs> thanks again Lana you take care and you're a true Bouncer Backer thank you and that's a wrap for this episode of Bouncer Back Stronger thank you for joining me today I hope you found inspiration and valuable insights to help you bounce back stronger in your own life I'd love to hear from you so please feel free to share your thoughts insights or personal stories of resilience by reaching out to me via email or my social media channels in the show notes. I'll leave you with this. Resilience is a journey and we're in this together. Farewell for now, Bouncer Backers, and I look forward to seeing you all next week for more like this.